Welcome back, everybody. I am wrapping up this week of COVID protocol. Yes, I am. I'm in COVID. My whole family is in COVID. Uh, knock on wood, everybody's doing okay. Uh, and I'm wrapping this week up. It was really, really important for me that I feel good because I had at Asneron on Wednesday, I had Perry Young on Thursday, and now I have Joanna Vanderham on Friday. I needed to make sure that I was good enough so I could actually do these interviews. I was not going to miss them. So we're wrapping up the week. I get a chance to see and feel much better because poor Penny is institutionalized. And thankfully, we can see that Joanna is doing well. <laughs> so please welcome to the program, Joanna Vanderham. Hello. Hi, guys. Um, my goodness. Yeah. The, uh, and by the way, I already mentioned it, but if anybody has not uh, watched the, the, the ending of season two, please be warned. We will be talking about everything that happened in nine and 10 and, you know, hopefully what happens later. So, um, Joe, I, I, how did it feel to, uh, to end the season on that awful note that took, that was a punch in the gut. Well, I read the script and I said to Jonathan Tropper, the, the lead writer, I was like, what have I done to you? You know, I was like, why, why? And he was like, no, like, it was actually a really common thing that would happen, you know, in that time period that if a woman had opinions and, or she was difficult or she wasn't marrying who her father wanted her to marry, or there were, there were like a myriad of reasons mm -hmm. why someone would just be institutionalized. And he was like, it's actually like horribly common. And he really wanted to kind of touch on that. And, you know, he was really excited about getting to sort of show that side. I mean, he's, he's got this weird brain where he gets really excited about like, you know, random weird stuff, but like, we all love it. Like, we're all like, mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm so glad someone like thought of doing that. Like I've, I've never played a character that's been institutionalized before. And like, I grew up watching like, um, Girl Interrupted. So I was like, this is my moment. And then I saw how they wanted to film it. And I was like, this is not my moment. Not at all. <laughs> no, my goodness. How many takes did that particular thing uh, take? Because, you know, that's, that's not the most comfortable uh, scene to film or to, or, or a mental space to be in for. Yeah. So I was like covered in bruises. I was, I was really, because they, they genuinely strapped me down. Wow. And it took like some, a little bit of like mental energy to not have like a claustrophobic moment where I was like, I'm, I'm like genuinely, like I can't move unless some, someone like unlocks me. And so you have to sort of like keep calm, but then, in the scene you're not calm at all so you have to like ratchet it up to 100 and then as soon as they say cut you have to like control that back in again and stuff and the the the, the where they put the um, straps was like here on my forearms mm -hmm. so i was like yanking at this bed and i had like these like grip bruises yeah. for like four or five days afterwards um but i think we did five takes and the I believe that was the last take that they used because um, our director had the the inspiration, the idea that the other women in there should be like set off by me yeah. like panicking. And so there's this like domino effect. As you see the women, they start to scream and it like I watched it and was like, that is horrific. And my dad was actually on set that day and was like, Oh my god. 
this is horrible. <laughs> so yeah, I think we did five takes. Wow. Um, how long did it take? I mean, uh, physically, you, you've mentioned that it took uh, uh, some time for the, uh, for the bruises to go away, but how long did it take you emotionally to get back into, okay, I'm fine. Well, this I, had to, I had to go immediately into the scene where uh, Buckley stabs himself. Oh, so that was... That was my day. That was my, like, yeah, <laughs> that was my schedule, was, like, be institutionalized and then go back in time. Oh and God. so it actually was really, really helpful because I charge into that room and I'm like, yeah. Mr. Buckley, you know? And, I, and so I knew what was coming and I had just lived it. And I had that kind of um, feeling toward him and I was able to just kind of, like, really bring, bring that in. And so actually... I don't know that I did try to let it go. Like I actually was like, let's use this. Yeah. But then that scene was really, diff the, the Buckley scene was really difficult to film because um, they obviously wanted him to bleed. Yeah. And he, the, the blood wasn't coming out. And so it ended up being like a bit of a technical scene rather than like, a, you know, an acting scene with two actors. It ended up just being like, oh, cut, the blood hasn't worked. Um, so that was kind of, that was kind of anticlimactic. And as I said, like my dad was there that, that time. So I basically just, um, went out to dinner with my dad and was like, that was that, well, let it go, you know? And was that, uh, I mean, I, we know chronologically speaking kind of where things are, but was that the last thing that you shot or did you shoot anything after? Cause I think the episode six was the last episode that was actually shot but you weren't there i yeah we we were lucky enough to get to go home i mean it makes sense like don't don't keep everyone waiting around um but i can't remember i can't remember what what was the last scene i think it might have been the one where um the mayor is dead in his coffin, but I can't remember. <laughs> Have you seen Brad Kane's video? He, he's one of the producers, and he had a, a video where they pranked us, me and Salim. And <laughs> so he was like, oh, we got it. And then they were like, we've got to go one more take. And we were like, oh, why? So we, well, not like that. We were like, oh, I wonder why. And then we walk on and <laughs> Christian just like sits up in his coffin, like boom, <laughs> the two of us are on camera, like ah! <laughs> Salim properly screamed. It was really funny. So um, I, I feel like that was maybe the last one. I need to go watch that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to find it and I'm going to uh, put it right below the video. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Yes, I, I'm definitely going to be looking for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you have to have kind of levity on set. Otherwise, it, you know, the, the, this is, you know, being a sitcom, it's just so lighthearted. Now, you need, you, need, um, <laughs> you need things to, uh, to get the tension out. So uh, that's, that's... Definitely. Yeah. Um, I'll come back to Warrior in a second, but I want to talk to the Mystic Joe, uh, because I heard in one of your interviews, you were talking about being, uh, being really good at analyzing dreams. Uh, do you remember? This was four years ago. You were you were talking about that. Are you still good at analyzing dreams? I mean, I I probably like to think so. Do you have what? Have you got a dream that you want me to analyze? Yes. This is this is the the, the last night. I wake up from a freaking nightmare. 
at one o'clock in the morning. And this nightmare is this. So I'm walking around my house. It's not my house, but it's my house, right? You know how in the dreams you kind of, you know, it's, it's a little odd, but, and, you know, I do my normal thing, which is uh, when my family, you know, goes upstairs and everybody uh, is ready to go to sleep, I lock all the doors, I turn all the lights, I make sure that the stove is not on. You know, this is how my mom trained me. So uh, I, I kind of do all that stuff. And I'm doing that in my dream. And I see that uh, the stove is on. So I try to turn off the stove. And then I kind of go a little bit like this. And I notice that I don't see it, but there is a ghost. There is a ghost and it's actually cooking something. So I'm about to turn off the stove and the ghost is like, no, you're not doing that. I'm cooking. I'm like, <gasps> and I wake up. So that, you know, freaked me out. I'll tell you what I did after, but I want Mystic Joe to, uh, to, have, <laughs> to have a chance to talk. Wow. Okay, so did you know who the ghost was? No. It's just an unknown ghost. It's yeah. an unknown kind of specter that is in your house. Yes. How did you feel when the ghost said, excuse me, I'm cooking? Yeah, the, the ghost didn't say it. It's just, it's, that, it's the feeling of, I'm turning off this, oh, oh, that's, I'm doing something wrong. Oh, holy shit, I have a ghost in my house. It was that type of a feeling. There was no talking. I didn't see it. It's the sensation of, uh-oh, <laughs> this is not okay. So, I feel like that's really COVID-related. I feel like you have, you've been living with this specter of this death figure mm-hmm. in your life, in your home. Like you said, you were isolating. Mm-hmm. And you feel like it's in charge. It's like you're trying to be the protector. You're trying to look after your family you're trying to fulfill that role that you always do but there's this entity that's bigger than you that's bigger than all of you that's actually dictating the terms and that scares you yeah freaked me out Um, that's what i would say that dream is thank you uh what do you think the dream is well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you in a second. I'm just thinking that it's, it's interesting that, you know, I'm, I'm scared of this COVID-related uh, ghost, but it's actually cooking. So it's cooking breakfast. So, I, you know, <laughs> there's, something, there's something there. But, I yeah. mean, sometimes it's like you've just, you've accidentally left it on during the day. And so it's like, come back to be like, don't do that again. So like that, I mean, that could be a major detail, but it could be a minor detail. Yeah. So it's difficult to know. So here's, uh, and uh, that's, I think that's a very interesting uh, idea. It likely has uh, has something to do with it. Um, so I here's what I did because this is not the first time that I've had uh, you know uh, ghosts in a dream or um, what I call discarnates. Uh, and um, I'm I'm an intuitive uh, and I'm an empath. So kind of as a kid, uh, I remember being freaked out because I was hearing voices and uh, I had mediumship experiences, all sorts of things. So um, in a way, I'm kind of used to uh, to having dreams because it's basically my energy telling me, hey, there is there is something extra around you that needs to be cleared. Okay. So when, when I woke up, I went to the back, I went back to the method of clearing, oh, 
Okay, I'm done with the shock of this thing. That means that there's some discarnates around me. Let's clear them. So, and then call in uh, angels and archangels, open up a portal, send everybody up to the light, kind of do all that thing, clear the space in the house, around the house, do all of that. And then I was able to go back to sleep and didn't have any more nightmares. It was fine. So that was whether it's mental trickery that I do uh, with myself that ends up working, I am okay with that. Or there's more to it and that actually is what I think it is. It doesn't really matter, but that's what I did. So when I woke up, I'm like, oh, okay, that was not great. And I'm not going to go to sleep until I clear this. And then I did that. And then I went, there is a, there is a technique that I learned, I don't know when, but it's kind of this, if you have a dramatic event in your life that you can't get over, you kind of go and you change course. So I went back into my dream and I kind of scrubbed it, released it and moved it off. So it's as if it didn't happen. It was this alternate reality thing. And now I'm choosing another uh, path. So I did all of these techniques and then I went back to sleep. But you know, that's, that's a lot of mental energy at like one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, well, I was wide awake. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet. Yes. So I feel like there's some tidbits there that you that are like so interesting, like the fact that that you have experience with with ghosts and spirits and stuff. So it probably represents something different for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, like when I was filming um, a show called One of Us, which I think in America is renamed as Retribution. Mm. It's, a, it's like a four-part series and it was set and filmed in Scotland and my character had to go to this lock and um, discard of a piece of evidence and I was the only character uh, the only actor in the scene and so it was like a splinter crew and we drove up north and I was put in a separate hotel because I was you know actor yeah. and all the crew were in a different hotel and we were like driving, we were like rounding the bend. It's a pitch dark because it's been like a six hour drive. And I was like, this house is haunted. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I just like knew in my soul. I was like, mm, oh dear. And I'm all by myself. So I, I, I walk in and, and, you know, I'm with the driver and he's like, do you want me to see if I can get you into our hotel? And I was like, no, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. So I, you know, I get my key and I'm, I'm walking up and I'm, it's like a, an old house. Like it's someone's private house that's been turned into a guest house. And it's like, I'm on the, the landing of this, the first floor. And it was like a train station of spirits and energy. And it was just like, they were all passing in and out of the rooms. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, so I, I went into my, my room and I do the thing that I, and I was like, okay. I acknowledge that you are here. Please, can we share the space? Mm-hmm. And I was like, this will be fine. So I, you know, got into bed. I was watching TV. And as I switched off the television, I was like, oh, she's in the in the window. And she was just wearing this, like, blue dress. And so I knew that she was sort of there. And I was like, okay, so that's who it is. That's who it is. And I rolled over to go to sleep. And when I had my hands here like this, they were warm, fine, normal. And so I was, I was like this. And then if, as I put them here, I was like, oh, Cold. now my hands are freezing. 
Yeah. So then I was like, oh, just bring that. And then I did it again as a test. Yeah. And then the next thing, I just felt like cobwebs on my face. And I was like, oh, she's touching my face. I'm obviously accidentally touching her face. And then I just had this like wave of of sorrow, like this like yeah. in in my solar plexus, like you know, breath, silent scream. Yeah. It was like it was like that. I just felt this woman's pain. But there's what do, what can you do? And I, you know, I'm not super experienced in anything, so I just I just thought I I. I can't, I can't do, I can't do anything. Yeah. Um, and my friends always say, how were you able to sleep? You know, how were you able to then just roll over and sleep? And I don't know, I just was, I just could. Mm -hmm. And I woke up in the morning, I was doing my teeth and I could sort of see her looking at me in the mirror. And I just like sent her all this good energy and just this warmth and just tried to just send her something positive. Yeah. But then, then you know the next day, I, I, the driver was was driving away, and he was like, "How's your how's your night?" <laughs> I, was, I was like, "How do you even explain this to someone that that it doesn't? Yeah, do, yeah you can't, you yeah. can't." So that was that was a that was an interesting one for sure. Um, and then the the thing that I that I shouldn't have done, I took a pen from there. From, from the room. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I took a pen. I know. So I had this like pain, this pain like following me around. And I mean, luckily, I, the film that I was making was a kind of sad show. But I came back to London and I was like, why am I still so sad? I found this pen in my bag and I was like, oh my lord. And I had to like discard the pen. Yeah. But again, I don't know any of the like proper proper like things to do so i i don't know either but yeah the the only thing that i that i know is that the way that i was uh taught uh and you know we're, we're getting into much more of the ghostbusters as opposed to warrior we'll come back to warrior i promise everybody <laughs> uh the way that i was taught is that if there are discarnates around they feel like you can uh you can be of assistance and the the movies are telling us that that assistance is because you're trying to um, you're trying to help them finish something that they weren't able to do or whatever. That's not what I was uh, taught. So what I was taught, if they're around, that means that they feel like you have certain energy that can help them get home. And it's all about the discarnates going home. So if you can, you know, uh, ask for I always I work with angels and archangels. So you know, ask for the angelic and archangel energy, ask them to come in and then help guide them back to uh, the light and then create a portal and then get, uh, get them back in there. So, and then, you know, there's all sorts of other complications that you and I can talk about off offline, but that's kind of what I was uh, uh, told. And I have in the previous dreams, anytime that I see that is when somebody is trying to get into my home. And I'm locking the door and they're, you know, getting the door open or somebody, it's like, it's that robbers, burglars, uh, they're, they're trying to invade your home. As soon as I have a dream like that, that's my signal. Okay, got it. I'm awake. Let's get the portal. Let's get them out. And then everything's fine. So like, it's that type of thing with the closest to what you were talking about is in a house that we were living previously, 
I hated going to the basement. I, I knew that there was just something is not right there. The energy is, and uh, we brought a uh, we brought a you know a psychic uh, to our house, and um, we went down to the basement together. And she's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, there is there is a entity, there is a ghost here." And I am telling her, I'm like, well, I can't, you know, when I close my eyes, I can see when I have the eyes open, I can't quite see, but I feel. So I'm like, yeah, the, she, uh, it's, it's a, uh, she um, was, is right there. And then we started kind of uh, digging. And what happened is that this particular um, soul was attached to the house because, you know, previous owners of the house, there were high school uh, kids in the basement all the time. They were partying. Then I think one of the people OD'd. Um, you know, this uh, this soul was very sad, and she was not a happy kind of a uh, you know person. And that was kind of her happy memory of being in that house. So she wasn't there to do anything bad. She was just kind of attached uh, to it. So we helped clear. And we kind of said, listen, if, uh, you know, here's a gift, if this is, uh, makes you feel good and you want to come back, you're here, but kind of let's, uh, let's all uh, get along. And then I didn't have issues going back to the basement after that. So, but usually with the clearing, that's what I, that's what I do. But, you know, mediumship is different because that's, that's not a ghost. That's a, you know, uh, a, a spirit in another dimension. Uh, yeah. You know, ghost is a earthbound uh, kind of, uh, uh, entity so that's that's a different thing so it's just sending them up but then that's a that's a slippery slope because once you start doing that they're going to come to you and be like hey you helped my friend and i just feel like if i if i just I'm like oh i don't know what i'm doing then i'm less likely to be you know called on uh i'm not asking for it all i do is that whenever i have those dreams i set up and what i do is i don't set up the portal inside my house I set up the portal outside the house and say, guys, you know, if you need it, there's the portal. Please go, you know, allow, allow us to kind of have our space. So that's, that's my procedure. I, maybe it'll change, but this is not something I'm asking for. I've had enough experiences that freaked me out, that made me think, yeah, that's not me. Yeah, that's, that's not what I want to be doing with my life. But yeah, anyway, going, going back to it just, uh, you know, in the morning, right? So I wake up and I go uh, on my treadmill uh, and I do, uh, this is where I do my prep. And I start watching a bunch of the interviews you have done. And that was one of the things that I heard. I'm like, okay, we're going to talk about my dream. I know it. <laughs> so I, love it. I yeah. feel like, like in past interviews, like I noticed people would just like read your IMDb page and then be like, so, and then just ask you like, you grew up in Scotland and you're like, yes, you read that on the internet, <laughs> like good interviewing. <laughs> you're like, come up with something else guys. <laughs> no, I, um, I love the process of doing research. Uh, to me, it's, it's fascinating because I know you from warrior. I did not see you in anything else. So I want to get to, uh, to know the other things that you have done. I want to see where, where you've been, what type of uh, work, how you've progressed, uh, what you were talking about, you know, when asked a uh, question. So there's, this is fun kind of part for me. And that's why any interview takes two to three hours uh, of prep. Uh, and 
I'm somewhat amazed at myself. This is yes, me, me, you know, petting myself on the back, but I'm amazed at myself that in six months uh, time, since I started the show, you're interviewed 132. And wow. knowing just how long each interview takes in prep and then to tape and then to cut and then to get it out. I'm not sure where I find the time, but I love it. So I'm going to continue doing it. Well, we're very grateful. I mean, I know um, your interview with Jen, you guys were sort of talking, you were like, I feel like I've spent so long with you and like, I know you so well already. So I hope that you're not like yeah. bored, <laughs> bored of us. Yeah. No, it's, uh, um, yeah, it was, everybody that I talked to, and I, I was saying the same thing to Perry yesterday, is that everybody from the warrior family, you are all incredibly fascinating people. And it's such a joy to, uh, to talk to you, not only about the show, but about you as people. I have not, again, you were the fifth that I've, uh, that I've had a chance to talk to. Uh, Dean, I think, is, is going to come on, uh, um, you know, in the next uh, couple of weeks or so. So I'm looking forward to that. Great. Um, but I have not talked to anybody who I have not been fascinated with. So, uh, getting back to Warrior. So, um, and this, this gets into kind of Warrior uh, slash acting, which, you know, the, the love of acting is the, is the show. Um, what I was blown away by, uh, starting in season one, again, because I was not familiar with, uh, with your work other than, you know, just starting to see Warrior, I was blown away by the emotion uh, captured in your eyes and as an actor that made me even more impressed because that type of emotion that is a surprise or when Assam is approaching you and he's getting close you can see it in your eyes you can see everything that's happening emotionally in your body well I know that that's not one take and I know that you know that's coming so my question to you first and foremost is, uh, and you know, first a compliment. I am blown away by that. But how in the world can you have that same surprise and emotional depth when you know it's coming? So I do a lot of theater. Yeah. And that has always been... Um, when I first started drama school, I was really sort of, you know, you're, you're 17, you think you know everything. And I, I, I sort of went thinking, you know, you have to feel everything. And when you don't feel it mm -hmm. for real, then it's fake and, and it doesn't, um, you've not done your job well. But when you've done... 342 shows you know night after night it's it's you would be a mad person you'd have to actually be crazy person to feel every single beat for real i mean that's what you're striving for that's why you keep doing it because that's that's flying right yep. but your job is to convince the people watching that you felt it yeah. even if you didn't so with that it's 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 practice it's like how do i how do i feel when i actually feel this way 
And then most of the time, because it's filming, you know, it's only like maybe like three or four takes. And so actually you can, you can kind of go, and it's, it's, you, you generate it, you, you, your imagination is the, the strongest tool that you have in acting because you haven't been through the things that they've been through. You aren't in the place that this is set. You're, you know, you're imagining it. And so to, to believe yourself and to believe the situation, it just takes, it's just play. Like at the end of the day, you're just, you're just make believe. And sometimes it's annoying because you don't get it. But what's really lucky is that we had, um, fantastic directors and we could just say to them like actually can I get one more go because I didn't believe myself and sometimes they'd be like oh but I believed you and other times they'd be like sure we have time let's do it again and so a combination of kind of just like practice really just letting your imagination run and uh working with people who trust you and have that um communication where if they say if they say they bought it you you believe them you're like okay cool i even if i didn't feel it like you did and i like the scene with um the strangulation yeah so all the the director and the and everyone was like sat off camera and and he came up and he was like i'm not going to make you do that again it was just it was just i can't you i can't and he like walked away and i was like i'm fine in fact could i get another go and he was like no and they were like really upset and i was like oh it's obviously work then (laughs) job done (laughs) so yeah is it just trust you know just trust um i the only kind of thing that I can uh, uh, rely on is is Meisner. And when I remove myself and I just kind of I'm with the uh, with the person in the scene, then to me it's it's easier. And every take is going to be different. But then I get a chance to really kind of be influenced by by them. I know that you know I I, I keep referencing Dean because of his intensity as Leary, but I know that when I'm looking at you know Dean's face, uh, at Leary's face, uh, I want to go away. I want to run away because it's it's that thing like you. I'm okay, and so I know that as an actor, I I would have that same response. If I had to be a sum in that role, I'd have to change that. But me as you know me as Alan looking at Leary, I would run. So like these types of things would help me of, I would be surprised because there would be something different. And, yeah. you know, with the, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's sometimes you find that the, the director will want your eyeline to be like as close to camera as possible. So you actually can't see the other actor in the scene. So when that's the case, what I've, what I've learned to do is like in the wide shot or the two shot, when you can have that eye contact and you can, you can really see what they're doing. Yeah. I, I, I memorize their facial, what, like what, what they're sending to me yeah. so that when I'm in my close up and I can't see them, I can still imagine how they're playing off camera so that I can react exactly to what they had been giving me in the other shots. 
So that's, yeah, that like, as you say, you have to just react and be, be present in the scene. Um, but then sometimes technical stuff will make it a little tricky for you. Yeah, a little tricky. People acting is tough. <laughs> it's, it's not all fun and things. I mean, it is, but it's exhausting mentally, psychologically, physically, in every possible way. Yeah. Um, again, I'm, I'm a huge fan after watching you on, on Warrior of just the acting part. Uh, so how long, uh, I know I, I, uh, from listening to Olivia talk, she said that it took her about four episodes to really understand a toy and to feel uh, herself in a toy fully. How long did it take you to really feel a uh, penny? I feel like I, I actually had a grasp of her pretty early on. Um, she, her, her backstory and her um, objectives were a little clearer in the writing than a toy, I think. So I think Liv had a tougher job. Liv, Liv kind of had to like make up a bunch of stuff and decided that that was what was her truth. And, and whereas I had a lot of like facts, so I could just go with what was on the page. Almost to the point where, like, I feel like the the writers were like, "We still know your character better than you. Like, will you will you stop?" And like, there were times when I was like, "Maybe I could say," that. and like, partly that was because they'd said to us beforehand, like, "You know, let us know if you want to change stuff, like how you want to work it." And so they they sort of opened a kind of worms. And like, I remember Andrew and I meeting up and like running a scene. In, on a Saturday, like we had no time with filming. Like we were just, we all kind of like, I'm sure someone else in the cast has mentioned this, but like we would all get together and like run rehearsals and stuff because we wanted it to be so good. And so yes, Andrew and I got together with Liv. So Liv was like on script and watching and just like helping. And she's got that director's eye, like she really wants to, to, to direct. And we sort of rewrote the scene a little bit. And then we had to like subtly try and present it to them. And obviously you can't just rewrite a whole scene. Like that's, that's, not, that's not what you're supposed to do. And that isn't what we did. Um, but we knew what they, were, what they were aiming for and what they wanted it to be. And it's such a huge mammoth production that it's understandable if like every now and then something kind of like doesn't get the full attention like it's almost like first draft and then they're like oh we'll come back to that and then they don't so we kind of came back to it for them and um i'm trying to remember which scene it was i know because that's that's my next question of which scene that was i know it was in season one well yeah benny spent a lot more time with uh some yeah and I know that everyone, what is it? What's our hashtag? Pensum? <laughs> yeah, everyone wants them to back together. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. Next time. If he wasn't so, such a bad boy, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, you, there, was, there was that moment uh, if, if uh, you know, the, the person didn't walk in. In episode, you know, in, in season two, which was, again, going back to that, as the sum is getting closer, I just see your eyes like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Um, yeah, 
the I if if Andrew is on, uh, to me this is kind of this this stupid but running joke of the Assam pretty much slept with everybody but Mele, uh on on the show. Uh, it's yeah. it's not exactly the case because season two, you know, more more women were introduced. Uh, but it's like, okay, you know, wh where are we going with this? Uh, well, I mean, to be honest, though, I think it's partly like, you know, people people from China and people from Asia aren't always portrayed as being like sexy, and actually, it's like quite a big stereotype that they're like geeky or like you know they're like the nerd or whatever, and it's like no, that's fucking sexy, like. Sorry, we we got to, um, like, I think it actually was part of the message that, like, okay. fancy, fancy him, yes, you know? Mm. And you do, you wash it, and they're all in their suits, and they, like, dun-dun-dun, catwalk down, uh-uh-uh, China down, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, they're my boys, you know? And I just think it was, like, part of that fun, it's part of the Cinemax thing of, like, you know, adrenaline and, and testosterone and... Mm -hmm. So there was that side to it, and then I think there's also like the softness that comes with seeing him around women that he can't, you know, necessarily show. So I think it was a useful avenue for showing different facets to his character. Likewise, uh, or likely, not likewise. Um, there's one thing that I've noticed. Uh, uh, saying off the bat, I did not go and rewatch everything because then the line between research and yuck would uh <laughs> cross but what uh what i've seen is that again based on the recollection is that in season one there was a lot more nudity than in season two um was that specifically because uh, again in in season one you had your scene uh toy had her scene uh there was a lot more of it and then season two it it stopped were there any discussions of uh, the women in the show saying, okay, you know, that's great, but do we really need it? Um, was there any? Yeah, there, there was. So, so, you know, one of the first reviews that we got was like, the show is great, but it's just a shame the Cinemax feel like all their leading women have to take their clothes off in the first episode. Mm -hmm. And it's true. And like, we were filming this in the height of hashtag me too. And like, we were talking about like, yeah. even at the time of season one, we were like, is this, completely necessary exactly. and for my character i i was like they the relationship that she has with blake yeah. is so weird and it feels like to me it was it was her it's her power right. it was the only power that she had then because and she hates him so much and i just thought that was so interesting mm -hmm. to use your body to hate someone I just thought it was a really fascinating um, sort of, you know, these, the, that's how those characters interacted. Personally, I thought they were going to do more with it in the story. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, I do think that they, that they sort of tied, tied it all together by the end of this season, probably. Um, but... I didn't have a hugely 
the actual like the actual nude scene was fine. It was incredibly respectful. It was a completely closed set. Everyone was really great. But then there was sort of later on in this in the season, it felt there were there was an occasion when it felt like I was being interpreted as like just a sex object. Mm. And I was like, I'm not having that. Like yeah. that is not what I signed up for. Like that's that's not okay. So by the time I, I basically was like, I'm only going to come back for season two. I'm not doing any more new scenes. Like I'm, I'm just not going to do them. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that Liv or Diane had the same conversation. I think I sort of had that for everyone, mm-hmm. but we came back for season two and HBO have had implemented um, intimacy coordinators. Good. So that was like an ongoing discussion between season one and season two that like whatever happens can't happen like it did in season one. Yeah. And so then I think the new cast, the, the like Celine came in and she had a sex scene in season two and she said it was like completely fine. Like she was like really felt like she did a good job and like was really happy and that's how it should be. That's how I always view sex scenes is like you just, they're, they're really awkward and they're really technical and that's how they should be because it's not about being turned on. It's about everyone knowing exactly what the beats are at any given point. And that's how it should be, you know? So by the end of like her experience, that was, that was their back, you know, working like that again. So I feel like actually it was, it was useful. It was like a learning process for, for everyone. And I think HBO like now as a mandate, like across the board, if they, if they have, intimate scenes in their shows they have intimacy coordinators good thank you for doing that uh because there's i'm not gonna you know uh, i'm not gonna put myself on a pedestal uh, as a man to say that i did not uh, like uh, season one and uh you know nudity no i'm i'm a man but i i'm a feminist so there was there were there's this kind of cognitive dissonance going on of like was, was this necessary? Uh, you were seen, uh, you mentioned the right word because that's, that's how I interpret it because it was uh, Penny's exercise of power uh, over blood. So I thought that scene, but even in that scene, I thought, does it have to be full nudity? Because yeah, yeah it didn't have to be, she could have done the same thing without it. So I, I found myself doing that in season one and I didn't find myself doing that in season two. I thought it was much, much cleaner. Uh, you know, Tom Weston Jones, uh, you know Lee's uh, character uh, at the end, it was it was nice. Same thing with Leary, you know, uh, and uh, Sophie. I think everything was was a lot more normal, if you will. In yeah. So uh, if if you are to thank for that, I really appreciate it. Good. I mean, I think it just they they started thinking of the sex scenes like they do the fight scenes. It's like they have to move the story forward and. Yeah you know, that, that's, that's a sort of prerequisite for, for me as an actor. It's like, I don't, I'm not going to do something that just feels gratuitous. So my scene kind of felt like it was part of that. It was part of telling their story. And then the same when she's actually with Aslam in season one, it felt like it was part of their story. And again, it's an exercise of power. It's kind of her, her, rebellion um but yeah i mean i think 
it's 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 definitely something that you know Cinemax was kind of like known for like it used to be called Skinemax and stuff so mm -hmm. I'm really glad that it that it's kind of moving into the you know 21st century and I get it like titillation and like maybe they just weren't super confident that the show was going to be a success and so they just thought let's throw everything at this in this first episode and let's let's use that because they weren't sure if it was actually going to take off but you know it's like once Game of Thrones started doing it everyone kind of was like oh we need that in our show to make it a success and it kind of let it be okay mm -hmm. um, so I think once they you know, we got recommissioned for a season two really early on. Yeah. And so I think they knew that they didn't have to do that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, again, hopefully there's going to be seasons, you know, three, four, five, and six. And we'll talk about that in a second. I know. Uh, I know you don't know. I know it's all kind of in the air with the HBO Max. We're, we're signing petitions. We're doing all weekend, uh, you know, from the fan side to, uh, to get it. But I am hoping, like with Cobra Kai, uh, after the YouTube, when they went to Netflix, you know, HBO Max is not Netflix, and there is a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on with HBO Max right now with mm. uh, the decisions by Warner. But um, it's it's still going to be a much wider audience. So I'm hoping with a much wider audience comes uh, more of a push to get you know seasons three, four, five, and uh, get it all. So that's my hope. We'll do our part. I'm going to continue having discussions on Warrior into the next year. So we'll, we'll, we'll uh, play that. But there are so many storylines that 10, the episode 10, left and set up well that we need to explore. You know, obviously we, we talked about, you know, what happens with your character. We can't leave her like that. That's just unfair. We, we need to see what's happening there. I know, imagine, imagine if that's just the fate of Penny, that she just no. in asylum forever. That, yeah, that's... That Don't would, get me! Let <laughs> me know! That the worst, the worst, uh, I can't think, I mean, aside from characters who died, uh, I'm not sure of who would... And like, at least when you've died, you've, like, closure, what? you know? Yeah. She's, just, like, gonna rot in there. Yeah. So, we need that fixed. Um, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, definitely pulling for that. Where do you, um, where would you, not do, but where would you like for Penny's story to uh, go on? So I spoke with one of the writers about what that would actually be. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I have like, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to tell you in case we actually do get a season three. Um, um, it's, it's up to you. So I don't want to put you in a, in a spot where... Yeah, I won't. I won't say what he said because I feel like then they can't use that and I love it. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, I would love it if Penny was like the first female mayor of San Francisco and yeah. she was like, you know, but I mean, the thing is, so it's set, I think it was supposed to be five years before the um, Chinese Immigration Act. And so we've only done two years of that. So we still have three years before that act yeah. happened in real life. And so I think the show will, like, I imagine it would get more political because it should, it, right? And like, I feel like that's that's building that crescendo to like this actually being being passed. And I think she would be attempting to be back in that kind of 
world. Um, I don't know how easy that would be because now she's like got this label hanging over her, but she might have to like completely reinvent herself and, and come back like not even as Penny Blake. And like with my hair like this, I could just come back and be like, yeah. and, like hide in the shadows and just like haunt Buckley. Like, yeah. like you. So maybe she like learns some Taekwondo in prison and comes back and actually is now a ninja. I'm all for that. <laughs> and that actually goes into uh, uh, one of my other questions of, did you get, I know everybody was invited to train. You didn't have, you know, fight scenes per se. You had a lot of uh, very well uh, done slaps. But, uh, and actually your punch uh, to, uh, to Blake was, uh, was nice. Uh, actually, let's stop there for a second. <laughs> How many takes was that one? How many takes was that? Just, just, I don't think it was many. I think it was only like three. Yes. Because we, we practice everything so much beforehand. Yeah. So, we, you know, we had a stunt rehearsal. We had like two stunt rehearsals. And then you get in and you... I think it was really not that many. And I remember the director being like, whoa, okay, we can move on. Because I think they were like, oh, it's Christian and Joe. <laughs> like, it's not like... It's not like Andrew and Jason. So, um, yeah, I think I think they were pleasantly surprised that we weren't like as rubbish as we could have been. But I I like insisted because I was like Penny won't know how to throw a punch. Like I don't want it to suddenly be like yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So she just goes <clears throat> and like I I feel like it played like that on camera. I was really pleased that they like let it look like she she punched him it wasn't like a stunt coordinator had told me how to punch him yeah so and then yeah and then we had that whole sequence where he like throws me up against the wall and then i scratch his face and i run away and he grabs my hair and then sophie comes in and she gets thrown against the wall yeah. so we had that we had all those um that one that one scene and yeah, I don't know what the question was. I forgot what the question was. I, I get excited as well. So uh, how much training did you get a chance to do along with everybody? So I would usually go to the workouts in the morning. And then, um, so, I don't know, I can't remember. I feel like they were like an hour and a half long. But on Tuesdays, they did like a very specific type of, of um, sort of, fight choreography as fitness training and so I would just run on the treadmill on those days because I was like I'm going to be so rubbish and I don't necessarily need this for my character um but one of the um stunt department who was my double um you know when I got like trampled by the crowd or um when I was thrown to the ground in the first episode of season one. So she was my double for those. And um, she actually is a Pilates and yoga instructor. So sometimes I would just be like doing my yoga and like everyone else would be like, ha, ha, ha. And I was like, hmm. So it was nice. It was nice to like all be in the same place and all have that. I feel like it was a real bonding thing as well. Like, you know, we would just, go get really sweaty and be like, want a hug? So like you bond really quickly when that's like the environment, you know, um, you see each other kind of at your worst. That, the the, the um, stunt department just insisted on taking pictures all the time. And I would be like, 
puce. I was literally like, <laughs> and they were like, Sophie? I was like, no, I don't want to. Okay, fine. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's because I was like, they work out so much. So they'd be like, Sophie? And I'd be like, okay, go on then. Oh my God, I'm so, I have no muscles. Oh. I saw, I saw bicep. Um, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> no, um, who have you, I know all of you guys seem really close, but uh, during the time in South Africa when you were, when you were shooting, who were you more close uh, to uh, from the cast? Gosh, I mean, we, this sounds fake and it sounds really boring, but like we all got on so well. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I think we basically had kind of cast dinners most weekends or kind of nights out most weekends. And that was like before we started doing double banking. So for the first three blocks, everything was just filmed like two episodes um, at a time. And then for the last, it was four episodes at a time. And so everyone was just working all the time. So we weren't going out. Um, but I, I, I love, you know, I love the girls like Liv and I um, obviously stay in touch. And she's so, so, um, just inspiring that like she's doing so much stuff so um when I was filming in Vancouver I was like a background extra in her short film I just like walked by because I was like you're filming I'm gonna come um so that was that was you know we we stayed in touch and 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 um I, I feel like everyone like Kieran I knew before Kieran and I had actually um worked together in, like 2012 so we knew each other from there and he's just so he's just so easy to talk to and such a nice man so yes. that was great and um tom i actually know his wife we've worked together as well so the acting industry in the uk is like smaller than you'd think um so i've seen them since you know we've been to like protest marches and stuff together in the summer so um yeah i it's hard to pick anyone. No, no need. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I wanted to see what it was and you answered it. Um, talking about, um, there, there is a lot of discussion of who's to blame for all the calamities in season two. Uh, I have my opinion. Um, I, I'd like to see you know, what your opinion is. Buckley. Um, okay, why? Always Buckley, because he's just called, he wants drama because he wants to push through the Anti-Immigration Act. Well, so does Mei Lin. Well, you know, she wants blood in the streets. But she wouldn't be able to do it if it wasn't for Buckley. True. True. So I think, I think he's like the real puppet master. Okay. And that's why I think in, in, in season three, I'm going to talk as if it's happening, Penny should be out for him. She should yeah. like take him, because everyone should take down Buckley. He needs to go, even though I love Langley so much. <laughs> Um, like a really nice, uh, nice man. He's very nice, but no, I think I think he, he's to blame. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with Sophie uh, because if, especially just starting out, you have her strolling through the cemetery in season two, the beginning of it, and that was a foreshadowing of all of the death that's yet to come. Uh, Blake is dead because of her. Your factory got blown up because of her. Uh, Jacob uh, died because of her. 
So I think Sophie, uh, and again, this is this is not you know not a knock on uh, on the actress who's very lovely, but the character of Sophie, I think she's the fuse that lit everything up in season two. I thought from a writing perspective, I thought it was brilliant because they brought her in and then everything went up in smoke. But yeah. I'm, I'm going with Sophie. That's a cool answer. But again, I feel like it wouldn't have been action if it wasn't for Buckley. Buckley's the one who sets the manhunt going for, for, um, Jacob. uh, yeah, for Jacob and, um, He's the one that gets Blake so riled up in the first place that Blake ends up fighting with me. Yes. He wouldn't have died if it wasn't for Buckley winding him up. Sure, I'll take that. Who else, did, who else were you well, blaming? Your factory getting blown up uh, by, by Leary. That's Sophie, that's not Buckley. Yeah, that was Sophie. But then at the end of the day, it's a little bit like... I don't know, I feel like that's like... This is such a weird thing to say because that's like my whole storyline, but I feel like it's like not a big chunk of, of like in the whole grand scheme of things yeah no it was uh, I, I agree with that um obviously for a penny it's like her whole life yeah. so. um very cool i'm gonna get to some of the questions that uh, that people are asking in the facebook group facebook group you're awesome uh, joe please say hi yeah. hi guys you're awesome so is it safe uh, derek chen uh who's uh, awesome He's asking, is it safe to assume Penny would have become a suffragette when the movement took hold in uh, 1903? I think it is safe to assume that. That is very, very cool. Um, I th yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Definitely a suffragette and not a suffragist also because mm -hmm. they had different kind of um, methods for achieving women's... Um, what's the word? Suffrage, <laughs> lol, stupid. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I think she would definitely be one of the, the more violent ones. I think especially after a stay in an asylum where she's like, yeah. you know, probably lost some, some semblance of, of propriety or like what's expected of her. I reckon she comes out the gate like, I don't care anymore. Yeah, as I don't think she should. Uh, and that, uh, I, I like kind of the development of, uh, of Penny's character. There is a lot of room to play with. Um, question two from, from, uh, from Derek. Unless, uh, act, unless acting in a traditional or classic story, uh, actors don't often seem to know what will happen to the characters well in advance. How different was Penny Blake described to you before season one began from the Penny Blake we saw at the end of season two? Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right that we don't know in advance like where our character is going. It's part of the reason why I love doing TV because you can just, you know, your character can change so much. There's so much time and space for it to become something that it wasn't. And as the writers get to know you as an actor, they're, they're interested in what your strengths are and they can see how you're playing the scenes and they talk to you about your interpretation of the character as well. So... By that logic, I just came across like a crazy person the whole time and they wanted to put me away. No, um, I think they did a really great job with her arc. And, it's, and so I sort of knew when we started season two, I was like, she's gonna, she's got it. She must have a downfall because at the start of season two, she's, she's almost like in her 
happy place. Mm-hmm. She's running her factory. She has her sister with her. And that first scene where they're, you know, having breakfast together, it's like she could, she could stay there. Mm-hmm. That's, she could stay there. And so I knew that I had to play that as like the epitome of contentment as far as Penny could get so that she had a fall, so that she really had somewhere to go, so that you knew that she had lost so much. And, but I didn't know what it was going to be. And then I think, I think I got told, Jonathan Tropper told me when we were out for drinks one night. And then what happened was every time we would go out for drinks as a company, from that point on, one of the other writers would t- secretly tell me. <laughs> I was like, you're all doing it. That is so funny. So, but it was great. You know, it's great. It doesn't change my, my performance in any of the other scenes to, to know by that, by sort of season, as like episode seven, what's going to happen. Um, so yeah, I didn't know at the start and then I sort of knew a couple episodes before. Okay. I got it. Um, in terms of doing accents, I, Derek was wondering about that same thing, and so am I, because you know you're classically trained, so accents is not a new thing. I, I also find it really funny that all of the actors are doing a different accent from their own. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm like <laughs> Kieran, you know, is is uh, doing Irish. Uh, you're you're a Scot. You're doing American. So is it harder to play an American? versus, uh, you know, to play a Scot or an Irish, uh, you know, person, just from the accents perspective? Um, no. Um, so I've actually, I've spent quite a lot of time in America the last few years, and so I feel like my accent has kind of settled in, but also they were like, you know, it's, it's 1880. She could have Scottish grandparents. If a little bit of Scottish accent slips out, yeah. we don't mind. So that took the pressure off, which was nice. Um, but yeah, as you say, like I, I, we weren't trained, we weren't like taught accents. We were taught how to learn accents. Mm-hmm. So I just have uh, a set of, of things that I, that I go through, which is the, the vowels, the consonants, the placement, the tone. And I'm sure that you know all these things. So it's. Uh, <laughs> I have things that I think work for me, but I'd love to know what works for you. So it's a really um, long, focused process of just listening to as much as you can get your hands on. So you 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 have all the different vowel sounds. So there's like the short vowels, the long vowels, the diphthongs, and then you so my mom came through and I was just like practicing a vowel you know and and so like the um for example like an ah so like in it's it's that or it's that or it's that so it's like that one sound can sound like three different ways or however many different ways and so my mom comes in and I'm just like ah ah Ah, she's like, oh my god, she's regressed. She is now a toddler again. Like, what's going on? So you know, it, you do you 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 have to sort of be prepared to look silly, and you have to like trust your your director's gonna say to you like, oh, like the accent slipped on this, or sometimes you get into ADR and you get to like have another go. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of acting in an accent, I think sometimes it's actually a really 
quick way of getting into character because it makes you hold your whole face differently to try and like form those sounds. So there was a show that I that I did called Banished and my character was from Dorset in the UK. And so Dorset is like that. So it's all very kind of, um, it's like she's got something in the back of her throat and everything sort of swallowed. Oh. And so obviously that means you hold your whole shape of your face differently. And so as soon as I was on camera and I, and I knew that I was, you know, going to have to speak, I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is her face. This is her mm-hmm. muscle. Like, you know what I mean? So actually for me, it's a really nice way of getting into character compared to when I have to do my own voice. And my own voice is all over the place. Like I don't actually have like a specific um, accent anymore. So I feel more self-conscious when I have to talk in my own voice than when I have a character voice. Well, I heard the, uh, because I'm not used to you having a heavier, uh, you know, Scottish accent. The the heaviest that I heard you speak was when you and Alan uh, were doing kind of the drive for PPE. And then you started... Yeah. You're well, yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna do uh, a terrible Scottish accent, even do though it. <laughs> one of my very Um, I, I love absolutely love uh, Scottish. Um, and I, I, I don't know why it's probably from Shrek because uh, you know, <laughs> Mike Myers, you're going the right way for a smack bottom. Um, so it, it's probably from there to the point where my daughter, I have to do, I have to do a uh an audition, I'm not going to say for what, I'll tell you up here. I had to do an audition where I had to do it in two different languages. So three distinct parts, uh, completely different characters in two languages. Uh, and it's like two of the characters had two scenes each, one of the characters had one scene each. This is like 11 pages of, of dialogue that I had to learn all you know, for this incredible show that I haven't heard from yet show uh anyway so i have to do it in two different languages so in english and in russian so as as, oh as i'm doing the russian one my daughter stops me because she's my reader i love my daughter uh, she stops me she's like that your russian is going into scottish i'm like no it's not and i i listen to it yes it is so i'm so apparently used to doing you know scottish just playing around at home my russian is starting to get into some of the uh, you know scottish uh, sounds it's so easy to do especially when you're rushing or not even rushing but like you don't have a huge amount of time for you for a self-tape it's like and you don't have a voice coach like no one's helping you so I, I feel for you well done even if you don't get it well done yeah well listen it's uh that whole experience of just doing three distinct characters made me because uh, I have my own kind of acting methodology so it made me test my own acting methodology mm-hmm. to see if I can be three distinct characters in languages um and then when i was cutting it i'm like yeah these are three different people congratulations Uh i mean that's that's the thing like even auditions are just fun right because you just like even if you don't book the job you are that character for that time that you're doing it and like we get to read a script we get to know what's coming out before everyone else we get to you know dress up and play and act and feel things and yeah sometimes you don't get the job and that's that's kind of sucks but like sometimes you do and that's really great so I yeah I feel like you have to kind of learn to love auditions 
Yeah, the more the more I do, you know, uh, where my level of acting and the types of projects that I get involved in, the more I see that TV is what I really want to do. Because right. I hate doing one take things and I hate doing small parts where I don't get a chance to really play. You know, I have a good idea and then the director says, that's great. Yeah, so it's, it's tough stuff. It's tough coming on and like not having a huge amount because you then put so much pressure on the little bit that you have because you don't want to mess it up for everyone else. Yep. And then you don't enjoy it. And it's like actually like that again, it's like when you get to be part of an ensemble, you don't have the pressure of being the lead and everything having to be wonderful you just get to just like the best of both worlds where you're like, I have a cool storyline. I'm in maybe three days a week and you know, there's no pressure. It's great. That's awesome. Uh, one more question from, uh, from Derek and then uh, one for me and we'll wrap up because I've been taking a lot of your time already. Um, if uh, you had a chance to ask if, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Lee uh, just had his 80th uh, birthday, what would have been, uh, if he was alive and he was sitting in front of you, what would you ask him? I would be really interested on his opinion on climate change. Mm -hmm. I would want to know how he thinks we should really with, with, you know, everything that we've, we've got the technologies that we have in the, the, you know, the way the world is at the moment, you know, what, what can we do? What more can we do and how can we do it faster? Mm. Um, I think he would have some real insight into how to convince people who need convincing mm -hmm. that we got to do something soon. Yeah. Um, that's great. That's a great answer. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and then um, for, for me, and uh, I'm sure everybody else is wondering, I, I know you wrapped uh, about a year, a year and a half ago. So what, uh, with COVID things are, you know, different mm -hmm. obviously, but what have you been working on? Anything coming out? Uh, anything that's, uh, that you're allowed to talk about? There are a few things. So um, I basically went straight on to filming Legends of Tomorrow. And I was in season five of that. I... And I actually got to do my stunts. I was the bad guy. No. So I went from, yeah, I went from Warrior where I was like, oh, help me, to like, I'm going to stab you with bone daggers. And I got to have magic powers. I was like the big bad god of season five. And me and Katie Lotz had a couple of stunts. We had like three fight scenes. So that was, yeah, that was amazing. And I had this like sexy leather suit that was like, yes. Um, actually it was pleather because vegan. Um, so that was, that was fun and that's already out and um, you can catch that. And then I, I did an indie film, which is why my hair is, it looks like this. So it's called Eddie and Sonny and I play Sonny and it's about a young family in North Carolina who have recently become unhoused and they have to travel down to Florida. So it's, it's sort of road movie it's me and my son and um, the, the, the husband role. And um, that's with Gabriel Luna, who was in Terminator. So we, we were this little family. And I don't want to ruin what happens because that isn't out yet. Um, okay. But that is being edited and it's hopefully going to be hitting the festival season next year. 
Okay. So yeah, I worked on a couple of things and then I've been, I've been writing and, um, I have, I have this, this, uh, feature film that I'm, I'm very excited about, but I can say precisely zero. <laughs> so yeah, so, so that's been a really, um, great focus for me when you, you know, when you, when you can't act, but you can, you can still be in the industry that you love and, and spend time kind of learning more about it, like how scripts are, are, are created and written and what's not even what's the formula, but like, how do you break it down? How do you, how do you make a script amazing? And then it makes you have so much more appreciation for the scripts that you've already been in that are amazing. And you're like, Oh my God, like so much effort went into this and you've made it so good. And so then I was reaching out to like all the people that I've been working with and I'm catching up on their shows and just supporting, you know, just, just loving this industry and trying to stay a part of it and, and um, being completely obsessed with it. So that's yeah. what I've been up to. That's, that's the silver lining of uh, 2020. We all got a chance to catch up on a lot of uh, shows that we hadn't seen. Uh, yeah. What was the last thing that you binged? I, I binged, and it was annoying because they've only released four episodes. So I binged it, not realizing that the rest of it wasn't available yet. But it's a show called Roadkill, and um, Michael Keeler directed it. It's with uh, Hugh Laurie, and it's a kind of political drama. Um, lots of sort of like people trying to be the ones pulling the strings and no one quite knowing who is. Yeah. Um, and it's really well shot and it's really well written and yeah so I I was like oh yeah I'll just tuck into episode four thinking it was just a four-part series mm -hmm. I was like I'll watch the end and then I was like that's not the end where's where's the rest so now I'm just like waiting like come on give it give it give it so yeah roadkill you got it yeah I think for me uh, the last thing was uh, Queen's Gambit mm. uh, which I loved 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 uh, okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Joanna. It's such a pleasure. Um, I feel better now seeing you than the last time that I saw Penny. So <laughs> I have that to uh, rely on. And Good. hopefully, you know, we get, uh, we get the show back on. So you get a chance to, uh, to play a lot more of the characters. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. It's been so nice talking with you. And thank you everyone for watching. And um, hopefully I can be in more stuff that you'll enjoy. I am sure. And now I'm going to go and check it out. And everybody, we're going to have a link to uh, the IMDB that we were talking about. Uh, so you can see everything that Joe was in. And you can go and take a look. Uh, it'll be right below the video. So thanks everybody for watching. We appreciate it. Facebook groups, love you. And uh, talk to you online. Take care. Thank you.